The following program is presented by the Far East Broadcasting Company because stories of people living out the gospel with their lives inspire all of us. FEBC, taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. Learn more at febc.org. God in His grace, when He rescued me, and it required Him smashing me. Uh, most people don't change when they see the light, it's when they feel the heat. And when, when it comes to the power of addiction, it is destroying you mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally. He knew he was in the powerful grip of an addiction to alcohol that was ruining his life. Today on First Person, we'll hear the story of a pastor who began to feel the heat and found healing through Jesus Christ. Welcome to this week's interview. I'm Wayne Shepherd, and you'll meet Dan Page and hear his story in a moment. These conversations centered on personal stories are meant to encourage you in your own walk with Christ. The circumstances may be different, but the same spiritual enabling is available to anyone who looks to the Lord for help and direction. We've archived all of our previous interviews online for you to download and listen to at your convenience. Use our smartphone app, First Person Interview, for that purpose, or browse the archive at firstpersoninterview.com. Again, that's firstpersoninterview.com. And to leave a comment about today's program, use our page, facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. That's facebook.com slash firstpersoninterview. It would be great to hear from you this week. Dan Page was and is a pastor, and as you'll hear, his struggle started at an early age. My battle with uh, alcohol, uh, that actually started when I was 12 years old. Sometime during the year when my folks divorced, my dad left, and it was our mom, and I have four older brothers, and as I said, I was 12 years old when he made that decision, and it's not his fault that I started using. It, it's, a, it's an explanation that I've grown to realize I can't hold as an excuse, but it, it tore everything apart. And uh, so I, I was without a father for all intents and purposes. He lived in the area, but he was, he was not a part of my life the way it should have been uh, by any means. And so I, my mom was numb trying to make ends meet. She went back and got her teaching degree. She already had taught a year, but had been out of teaching for decades, and um, so so here's a single mom, and with uh, you know five boys. My oldest brother had just left for college shortly after, but so that's when I turned for the first time. And at that point, I was I guess just experimenting with alcohol and marijuana, and did not realizing I was letting an addict in me as a twelve year old boy that would that would uh, dog me and haunt me and and be a battle uh, for decades after that. How does a 12-year-old boy get his hands on alcohol? Older brothers and friends. And that's the reality, certainly today, too. You can get what you want to get. There are ways and there are people. It did begin with alcohol or with marijuana? Um, together, yeah. I, I had first started drinking a little bit and then discovered marijuana and uh, that was together till I was uh, 21, b- two years before I met the Lord. I quit smoking marijuana. We had a very bad. Ex- I had a very bad experience with it while in Florida. It was laced with PCP. The we knew who we bought it from, but we didn't know who he bought it from. Hmm. And that talk about rocking my world. But uh, so out of fear, I dropped that. But I continued the uh, the the relationship with alcohol. Did your family, uh, your mom, or anyone know what you were going through? I don't know if my mom. Knew not the severity of it, no, 
Um, uh, but no, uh, most people were oblivious to it. My, it wasn't destroying my life, but it was, uh, it was uh, chipping away at it. That's for sure. In what ways? What are the consequences at that young age of, of having this addiction? Well, uh, uh, I guess it's so long ago when I was young enough that I, I don't know that I can answer that uh, clearly other than to say I know it, it, it minimized uh, my abilities in, in many ways. Often throughout the week and weekend, I'd be drinking or high. And um, so I, I, all I know now is things could have been way better. One of the, I look back on it and I see that God used music, especially the playing the trumpet, uh, to keep me from totally self-destructing. And I, I believe uh, the trumpet and my band director, Gene Kelly, were gifts of God long before I knew God. Hmm. Isn't it interesting to look back and see how God planted people like that in your life? Oh, it's beautiful. Yes, absolutely. I look back and I see his uh, prevenient grace, some would call it, in protecting me and, uh, and uh, keeping me alive. What did he do? What, what, what made the difference? Why this man and perhaps others? What, how did they influence you? Well, it wasn't until after high school that the influence came through, primarily through my mother, who had moved to South Carolina and met the Lord uh, in, a, in a dramatic conversion. And she came back up to where I was in college here in Northeast Ohio and started telling me all about Jesus. And I was like, oh, Mom, please, you know, not you. You're one of those, you know. And for two years, uh, uh, we went back and forth. And at the very, very end, right before I became a Christian, I didn't have the vocabulary then to be able to say that God was convicting me of sin and judgment and the righteousness to come. But he used my mother's conversion and her testimony and her persistent witness to uh, bring me to himself. So my mother was the, the biggest influence at, uh, that, that really brought me to the Lord that he used to bring me to himself. Interesting. And you mentioned this moment when you were smoking marijuana laced with PCP. Um, and then after that, mm-hmm. I understand that's when you really began asking deep questions in life. Exa- yes, 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 yes. It was after I got through that night. I remember sitting in my underwear all night long in a van on Daytona Beach thinking, hey, whatever clarity I had as this stuff wore off, is what, like, what is this? Is, like, can this be all there is? And started asking the big questions. How did I get here? What am I doing here? Why am I here? Where am I going? Is there a God? And uh, that began a two-year search. And then God, in His wisdom, rescued my mother shortly after I had that uh, collision with, with uh, you know, existential issues. Mm-hmm. And I just see God's fingerprints all over. It's like if that was a crime scene, God would have been arrested because His fingerprints are everywhere. Yeah. yeah. Did, did the drinking stop at that point? No, nope, it, it didn't. Just the uh, just the dope, and uh, and uh, so that continued till I was a Christian. And then I remember when I became a Christian, it, I knew I that I I had to stop. I had that conviction, and I knew that drunkenness was a sin. It still is, always will be. And and so, uh, but the battle I had, I was playing in the band, and one night I thought I'll just have a glass of wine, and uh, as as addicts will say. Uh, one's too many, a million's not enough. I, I didn't immediately dive into the deep end of, of full-blown drunkenness, but that opened the door. And then uh, uh, two years later, I found my way to Last Days Ministries. Some some listeners will, will remember a, a brother named Keith Green. Right. Yeah. I got there two years. Yes, yeah, I got there two years after Keith passed away. But there was still a there was still a, a buzz and a 
and uh, excitement in that ministry. Uh, Dave Wilkerson lived across the street. Leonard Ravenhill down the road, and hmm. Second Chapter Rack's recording studio was two driveways down. So a real intense time. And and I came back from then, and I didn't drink for years. And it's I still it still blows me away that to this day I can't remember after. So from 1984 till 99 or 2000, I didn't touch anything. And then sometime in 99 or 2000, I remember I went to and bought a, I remember getting a bottle of wine, but uh, I can't remember specifically when or where that was, which blows me away. You'd think I'd acutely remember that. But then that opened the door, and then it was uh, quickly almost nothing but vodka and lots of it. And so I was drunk day and night for uh, a few years, and uh, God in His grace brought that to a stop. And were you married at this point with family? Yes, married with family, pastoring a church. Wait a minute. Uh, Wait a minute. Whoa, whoa, whoa. You were pastoring a church, struggling with alcoholism. Oh, yes, which reminds me, I wonder how many other people, not just pastors, who are showing up every uh, Sunday with their life falling apart, Uh, the the reality of hypocrisy and hiding and lying and denying and and being embarrassed and, and ashamed. Um, that's, it's still embarrassing, of course, to, to, to think about it. It's not, it's not embarrassing to talk about. It's, it's, it's beautiful to talk about now because it's in, it's in the past. But yeah, yeah, brother. I would, there were some times I would, I would drink on a Saturday and preach on a Sunday. And God in His grace on June 9th of 2005 said, this is ending today. Mm. And I'm a poster child for humble yourself or be humiliated. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so you hid it from the church. Were you able to hide it from your family? Uh, yes. For well, till till the end, uh, for a few months they were aware of it, and uh, that's when the wheels really started falling off. Of course, and they, of course, the right thing to do, looking back on it, would would have been to just you know relentlessly bust me and expose it. But the the reality of enabling and that sickness, trying to minimize the pain for your loved one. Is uh, is is uh, you know the classic expression of enabling, but that didn't last long. Thank God, my wife at the, got to the point where uh, that at the beginning of June she left with the kids. didn't Didn't know where they were. She left with them because she 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 realized she needed to leave, and either I get help or this is over. And um, and she called all my brothers, and I remember three of them showed up together uh, from out of town, and I my 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 dear brother Matt. Um, I, I'll never forget this, Wayne. We're standing outside the garage. Elise is gone. The kids are gone. And I, I saw my brother uh, looking at me with love and anger, at 100% love, 100% anger at the same time. And he, he said to me, Dan, are you getting this? And here's what he said. Lisa has 52 cards. How many does that leave you? And then he said, so here's what you're going to do, buddy. Right here, right now, you're going to make a decision. You're either going to get the help you need or you're going to get the help you need, hmm. which is it going to be? And then bro- that, that was the beginning of the real brokenness. And um, so, yeah, God in his grace, when he rescued me, he delivered me, and it required him smashing me. Uh, most people don't change when they see the light, it's when they feel the heat. And when, when it comes to the power of addiction, cunning, baffling, and powerful are, are three words that often go together in the recovery movement. And the, and the insanity of addiction. It is destroying you mentally, physically, emotionally, relationally. It is decimating your finances, and you keep doing it. God in His grace, I didn't hear Him say that word that day. I heard other things from Him shortly thereafter. 
But uh, I know that he uh, made the decision on June 9th, 2005, that I would, uh, I would put this down for good. And by his grace, one day at a time, I haven't relapsed. There's more to Pastor Dan Page's story, and you'll hear it coming up in a moment right here on First Person. Listening to your station is my first priority when I get home. Sometimes I even listen twice. First on the radio and then through the internet. Thank you for all your hard work. The Far East Broadcasting Company receives millions of responses each year from grateful listeners. FEBC is dedicated to taking Christ to the world through radio and new media. To learn more, please visit febc.org. That's febc.org. The Far East Broadcasting Company, until all have heard. My guest is Dan Page. Dan is a pastor. He pastors Cornerstone Community Church in Stowe, Ohio. But as you've heard from Dan, his life has been rocked by addictions. Uh, the Lord has helped him through that. And, and Dan, I want to take you back to that intervention. Your brothers came along and said, you have a choice. Do what's right or do what's right. <laughs> and the, yeah. Lord, the, the Lord would have used that then. Oh, yes, that's dripping with grace. Because, and for many people, too, uh, who, who maybe listen, who are either in the addiction themselves or a loved one who's uh, being chewed up, uh, the, yeah, the the shame and the guilt and the embarrassment of addiction. In fact, just yesterday, twice a week now, I'm on a detox floor leading a meeting at the same hospital I came through the emergency room in to get to the psychiatric hospital. Um and and yesterday I came across this and shared it at that meeting, that uh, I'm sorry Monday's meeting that uh, uh, addiction uh, isn't just a, a solo event. Soon the whole family's uh, in on the game, and it's a it's a, a, a attempt to uh, soften the blow with some kind of humor to acknowledge that addiction uh, rips up the whole family, not just the addict. So what were the steps that you took? That what happened is God waited till you know I had fought and fought and fought and I was so tired, Wayne. I was so tired emotionally, mentally. I was believing lies and living them, obviously, and and that that just drains your energy. And um, so I was I was weak in many ways, but able to make a strong commitment. And um, so get to that psychiatric hospital lockdown unit. That's where they strap you down if need be. That will get your attention. I'm walking down the hallway to the 40th bed in the 40-bed facility. Here's the door locked behind me. And, and that's when the, 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 the crushing of the consequences converged at that moment. I'm walking down the, high, the hallway, and uh, two things happened. Our, our good, uh, good brother, good friend, Michael Card, one of the songs he wrote is called Join the Journey, and a lyric from that song popped into my head. Now, just, you know, that is the Holy Spirit. Uh, there is a joy in the journey. There's a light we can love on the way. There is a wonder and wildness to life and freedom for those who obey. Dan, you know, I'm looking at that on the wall of my office right now. I have the same quotation on the wall of my office. How about that? Then you know it continues. Then you know it continues. To those who've been born of the Spirit and who share incarnation with Him, who belong to eternity, stranded in time, and weary of struggling with sin. Hmm. Forget not the hope that's before you. And so... God brought that uh, to mind, and as I'm walking down the, high, all the hallway, they'd run out of socks, they take all your clothes off, you get a hospital gown, because they don't want you to have anything with which you could hurt yourself. So I'm walking down the hallway barefoot, my butt's hanging out of this hospital gown. I mean, if you would have taken a picture at that moment, you, you know, <laughs> no, it, thanks. At, at that snapshot in time. 
I, did, I wasn't even really praying by any means. I'm walking down the hallway in brokenness, and I just, I guess in my mind, I had a thought toward God, and in my heart, I, I just remember thinking, how did I get here? And I'm telling you, Wayne, I, I really believe God spoke to me because, because of what it was. And I remember thinking, how did I get here? Immediately in my heart is this impression, the same way you're going to get out of here. And I'm thinking, am I still drunk? What is this? Uh, the same way I'm going to get out of here? And then I heard these two words that became a five-word sentence, and I have not had a drink since. There was a lot that took place that month in that psychiatric hospital. That's a whole other story. Wow. But, but I remember thinking, how did I get here? Same way you're going to get out of here? Choice by choice by choice. And your family came along and supported you during this time? When they saw that there was repentance, and when I was able to not just apologize, and keep repeating it, but ask for forgiveness and stop. And and it took them a while to trust me. I, I thank God that they forgave me, but they had no reason to trust me. I had shattered their trust through lies, through deceit. And and uh, and so I realized I'm not in the negotiating position here. And so I knew I shattered their trust. I have to earn it back. And the only way I could do that is one day at a time, the same way I continued not to drink, by giving them nothing not to trust. How do you characterize and the relationship today with your family, Dan? Very good, and continuing to get better. Steve Green has a, a story of brokenness, too, and, and, and uh, I think he collaborated in the lyrics to a song called The Pleasures of the King, and it says, to heal a broken body, to mend a broken heart, to knit together healthy homes that once lay torn apart, to glory in the praises that his grateful children sing, these treasures are the pleasures of the king. God loves knitting homes back together. Mm-hmm. He established the family before he established the church. Praise God. So, yeah. Yeah. Amazing. Uh, the church. The church must have taken a real risk on you. What do you do with your pastor who's been spending a month in the psychiatric hospital strung out on alcohol? You keep loving him. You don't kick him to the curb. It, th- even that story of the church is a, is a, is a portrait of God's grace. In some denominations, were non-denominational church, I would have been immediately released, and uh, you know there there is protocol for that. Sure. I uh, since we're totally independent, I, I connected with some pastors in the area, told them exactly what had happened, became accountable to them, asked them what would you do with me if I was on staff at your church, and um, and so the the restoration process was a process. But yeah, Wayne, isn't that the grace of God that I'm still pastoring the church I was at when this all hit the fan? Dan, it's a remarkable story. It, it really is. All right, now, you know, or well, can well imagine, there's someone listening today who's either in the throes of the addiction that you were once in, in, in uh, yeah. slavery to, uh, or mm-hmm. they are uh, married to someone, or they have a dear loved mm-hmm. one who's going through it. Mm-hmm. Talk to that person, if you would, from your experience, Dan. To the addict, I, I, would, I would say you're going to have to humble yourself because the healing only comes on the other side of confession and forsaking, and to let that addict know what you're afraid of about how this is going to go is is uh, is something you've just gotta you've just gotta let go of, because God is good and He is kind and He is tender as He heals us. It's insane to keep doing what you've been doing and think it's just going to go away or get better. And to the family member, as hard as it is. Uh, sometimes the the last thing you want to do is the first thing you got to do, and you've got to just step out of the way and let 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 the bus of the consequences of their choices smash them. 
don't give them money. Don't give. Don't don't make excuses for them. Um, as hard as that is, the it's 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 the loving thing, because enabling will just perpetuate the pain and solve nothing. But exposing the wisdom of God, expose the deeds of darkness in Ephesians five, first in ourselves, and then and you know, and there's a way to do that. That's right. Anything harder than having to do that with a a son or a daughter or a husband or a wife. Uh, that that's terribly difficult to do. It it is, but 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 there comes a point where where you realize it's the only wise thing to do is to hand them over to God, um, and just and as my mom asked God uh, shortly before I was a Christian after a, a a conflict that arose, my mom two two weeks to the day before I became a Christian just looked to God and said, "Get him, just mm. get him." Mm. And there, for the for the loved one who's been doing their best to help to heal their addict or rescue them. Only God can heal them, and only God can rescue them. And the gracious thing to do is to just step back from their life and, and let the consequences speak and let God do the rescuing. Is there a passage of Scripture, a verse, that really summarizes for you and is especially meaningful for you, Dan? Well, two, Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen says, Whoever confesses and forsakes his sin, on him the Lord will have mercy, not just confess. To forsake it is an imperative part of it. Give us that one reference thing to again. Take a shower. Yeah, Proverbs twenty-eight thirteen. It's one thing to take a shower; it's another thing to stay out of the mud. And then James five sixteen says, "Confess your sins one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed." And when I confess something to you that you don't know about me, I'm humbling myself and uncovering myself and and inviting you into my pain and my struggle. When we confess our sins to God, He just nods because He saw us do it. And we do need to confess, and He does the cleansing. And normally when you hear confession and forgiveness, you think cleansing or freedom. But isn't it interesting, in James 5.16, when I confess my sin to my brother and sister, and again, there's a way and a time and a place to do these things, depending on what it is and who it's affected. But when I confess my sins to someone, then it's God. what God says happens there is there's healing, not forgiveness, not cleansing, but healing. And that's James five sixteen, and he 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 doesn't just set us free; he heals us. It'll be thirteen years this June that I haven't had anything, and the longer I'm without anything, the more love I have for that, and the more hatred I have for addiction, hatred. And for that person, back to that person who may be in hiding. Of course, addiction isn't just substance abuse; it can be a behavior, pornography, gambling, or whatever it might be. Anything that you give yourself to will take you. And so the best thing is not a thing, but to give yourself to God. And as he has his way, it is beautiful. I get to meet and talk to people like you. (laughs) Thank you, Dan. What a story we've heard from Dan Page here on First Person. Dan is the pastor of Cornerstone Community Church in Stowe, Ohio, and is a brother in Christ who has encouraged me and many others with his story of how submitting to Jesus Christ has and is helping him overcome his addiction. I hope you'll take the time to visit our webpage this week. In addition to information about today's interview, there's also a schedule of what's coming up in the weeks ahead and, of course, the audio archive of past programs you can stream online. It's all at firstpersoninterview.com. And don't forget to check out febc.org for the Far East Broadcasting Company. There you'll be able to view stories and testimonies of God at work around the world through the broadcasts of FEBC. Pray for this ministry, the Far East Broadcasting Company go to febc.org. Now with thanks to my friend and producer Joe Carlson, I'm Wayne Shepherd. Join us next time for First Person.